think, a tough question to answer. Uh, but let's look at one of the primary passages that deals with that phrase. Uh, that phrase, falling away, uh, does show up in Scripture. So 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, we're going to take this passage and we're going to look at what this passage deals with. And uh, so go ahead, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you again for your word. And Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to study your word and to look into your word. And God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you'd speak through me as we look at this passage and as we, uh, we try and understand, Father, and wrap our heads around uh, some of the, the things that are written in this passage. God, I pray that you'd give us clarity. I pray that you'd give us understanding. And Father, uh, we'll certainly thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we read this passage, there's, of course, several things that have, that have got to be clarified in this passage uh, before we can draw any kind of conclusions. And so as we look at this passage, I will say this, too, that uh, this is a highly debated passage, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of difficulty uh, understanding some things in this passage. And so we're going to look at this, and we're going to do the best we can. I want you to notice first and foremost in verses 1 and 2, that Paul is writing to confirm their faith. The Apostle Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians, and uh, of course he wrote it to the, uh, the church that was there in Thessalonica. And, uh, and he says there in the first verse, look at the words that he uses. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by the word, or by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. And so you see in the first two verses, especially verse 2, he is writing with the mindset and the idea of comforting them. He's saying, hey, I want your faith to be confirmed. I don't want you to be shaken. I don't want you to be uh, unsure. I want you to understand, and I want your faith to be fortified. I don't want it to be uh, torn down. And so that's very clear in those verses. And, of course, he taught on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that there in verse number 1. He says, by, coming, uh, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we know he's referring here, at least in this portion, to the rapture because he says, and by our gathering together unto him. Let me just stop and say this, uh, that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ 
can be really uh, defined in three different ways uh, in Scripture. The first is when Jesus Christ came to the earth as a baby. Uh, they call that His first coming. Um, and so uh, that would be a coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. His second coming, uh, and you say, well, I thought there was only two. Uh, there are, we'll get there, just hold on. His second coming is, is often confused uh, because that is when He comes down and He physically touches the earth and He reigns on this earth. Um, and so that's His second coming. There's one that we is sometimes referred to as the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that would be the rapture. And that happens between those two things. And even here it refers to it, I believe, in that reference of the coming of the Lord Jesus. The difference is He doesn't touch down on the earth. Uh, he's in the clouds. Uh, and we're going to look at some passages that really deal with that. And, that. and the church is raptured. Let me rephrase that. The saved are raptured out of here and taken off of this earth. And that's important for us to understand. Sometimes it's referenced as the coming of the Lord, but it is not when He comes to the earth and physically touches down at that time. And uh, go with me to, go back just one page. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And he talks about the coming of the Lord. I love this passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13. Uh, I use this passage frequently, and sometimes I use it at, many times, as a matter of fact, I use it at funerals because it's such a, a comforting passage. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13. Look at what he says. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no, soul, no hope. Let's just stop there and say this in verse number 13. He is writing to believers. And he's telling them as brethren. And the people who are asleep, okay, they're not taking a nap. They're not, they didn't lay down at night, okay? They're dead. Uh, he's using kind language and saying, hey, uh, they're asleep. In other words, they're, they're in the grave. They've been buried. And he says I, he doesn't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have already passed on and who have died. Go on to verse number 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, watch this, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse number 18 tells us this is a comforting passage. He says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And he gives us a very clear uh, rapture that is taking place. He says there, uh, that we, as we read it, he says that the Lord will descend. And somebody say, oh, see there, he's going to descend. But did you notice that we're going to be caught up together with him in the air? In other words, he's not coming all the way to the earth. 
Uh, he's coming in the clouds. I don't know how far. He didn't give us an altitude, okay? I don't know where, uh, but he is going to come, but he's, he's not coming all the way to the earth, and it's going to be the rapture. And the Bible is very clear that, hey, we are going to, uh, we're going to fly out of here. And uh, boy, that's an exciting passage. I have always loved flying. I don't know why I do. I don't like roller coasters, but I like flying. And, uh, uh, and I thought, man, I, 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 I can't wait for that. I mean, to be able to fly uh, without an aircraft, I mean, that's going to be amazing. We're just, I don't know if we're going to leave holes in the roof. I, I don't know how it's going to be. Uh, but I do know this, when that trumpet sounds, we're out of here. And I think all of our fears of heights will be gone. Uh, I, I don't think we'll worry about that. And, uh, and so uh, it's a passage of fear, just like his passage in, in 2 Thessalonians. He's trying to comfort and he's trying to educate and he's saying, hey, I don't want you to be worried. Um, and, and sometimes it's called, as we go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 there, it is called uh, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ back here in in 1 Thessalonians, I believe it was called the same, uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's see here. The coming, yeah, verse number 15. And remain unto the coming of the Lord. Uh, so it's a little bit different wording, but nonetheless, uh, he's referring it to as the coming of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice as well, look with me in verse number 2 of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 2. He gets through telling them not to be troubled, not to be shaken, not to be uh, concerned. And at the end of that, he says, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So one is the coming of the Lord. We understand that, that the Lord will come. He won't touch the earth, but the trumpet will sound, will be caught up. And the second thing that we need to clarify is the day of Christ. The day of Christ is... Uh, is a day of completion, something for us to look forward to. Go with me to save your spot in 2 Thessalonians, but go with me to Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. Look with me at verse number 3. Talking about the day of Christ, he made reference to it there in, in, uh, in verse number 2, as the day of Christ is at hand. Uh, Philippians chapter number 1, look with me at verse number 3. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayers of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse number 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I longed after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment. Verse number 10, that ye may approve, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. 
being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. In verse number 10 and verse number 6, it talks about uh, the day of Christ, or the day, uh, verse number 6 says, the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, and in verse number 10, it says the day of Christ. And so we find there that it's something for believers to look forward to. He's saying, hey, that you'll complete it until the day of Christ. What is the day of Christ? The day of Christ is when our, our, our package of salvation is complete. In other words, we inherit that incorruptible body. I, man, I look forward to that. Um, I, I'm, I'm not even that old, but, but you know, the, the longer you go and the more aches and more uh, things that don't function properly, the more you say, man, I can't wait for that new body to come. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, and so we look forward to that. Why? Because it's a body that's not going to fall apart. Uh, it's also referred to as a day of rejoicing. And 2 Corinthians, you can just note it down, 2 Corinthians 1.14, he says this, As also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so he's talking about rejoicing. And, uh, and if you were to, let's go over there to 1 Corinthians. We, we've, we read Thessalonians, we've got to read 1 Corinthians. Chapter number 15, 1 Corinthians 15. This passage really cements it down that it is a day of rejoicing. It is a day of victory. It is a day of, uh, of something for us to look forward to. We're talking about the day of Christ that he referred to there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 2. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And verse number 51, he says this, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on, on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And it is a day of victory uh, in there. It did mention the day of, of, of the Lord there, or the day of Christ, rather. And uh, uh, you'll have to go back and find it. I'll let you do your homework there. Uh, but, but it's mentioned, and, and it's mentioned as a day of victory. Hey, that we're given a new body, and it's a victorious day. And why am I emphasizing this? Because there's two things in the Word of God. There's the day of Christ that is positive for believers. Hey, listen, if we're saved and we're born again, we don't fear the coming of the Lord. We look forward to it. Because for us, hey, it means our fighting with this flesh is over. We're done with that. Our battle is all over. Praise the Lord. That is a day to look forward to. That is something that is a blessing. Uh, it is a day of rejoicing. It is a day of reuniting. I mean, uh, I've met Christians all over, and I've got good friends in Peru and, and, and in other places. And man, I tell you what, uh, I just can't fathom everyone getting together 
And I don't know if, if we'll have to go around and, and, and figure out everyone's story, you know, where, hey, what, what country did you live in? What time period did you live in? Hey, what did you do? Where were you? You know, I don't know if we'll, we'll, we'll do all of that and figure out. But could you imagine the, the thousands upon thousands, probably millions of Christians that will be gathered together over a time frame of period that we can't even fathom or begin to understand? And, and we'll all be gathered together. So it is a great day of victory. But if you contrast that to the day of the Lord in the Bible, the day of the Lord in the Bible is a day of judgment. Matter of fact, uh, the book of Joel only has three chapters, but it mentions it five times. In Joel 1.15, it says this, Alas, for the day uh, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. And it's also used in the New Testament several times, but in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 9 and 10, the day of the Lord is mentioned uh, that, that it'll come as a thief in the night and that the earth will be burnt up and that there'll be judgment afterwards. And so I'm just clarifying that there's two different, uh, two, two phrases to watch in the Bible. The day of Christ, which is a day that believers will be raptured out of here, and a day of the Lord that stands for the wrath of God and the destruction that will fall upon the face of the earth. So I just want to point that contrast out because it's important for us to understand. Back in our text, in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, he's confirming their faith. And he tells them there in verse number 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. So I take that to mean that it's talking about the rapture that will be pulled out of here. In verse number 2, uh, he says that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that, as that the day of Christ is at hand. In other words, hey, the Lord could come and we'd be raptured out of here. And he's saying that is at hand. So he's confirming their faith. But look with me in verse number three, we get that phrase. And he says this, let no man deceive you by any means. And so what we can understand in verse number three, that there was false teaching going on. There were those who were trying to deceive them. Look at what he says further. He says, For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, what was the false teaching? We don't know that. The Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, there's a lot of speculation, and some of it may be accurate. Some of it may not be. Uh, one of the speculations that's very possible uh, I think is maybe people were setting dates. I mean, that's not too far-fetched to see. Um, people have been doing that uh, for years, and, uh, and it's, it's funny and sad all at the same time because if you go back and you look, there, there's been plenty of people who have set dates that those times did not come. It's sad because there are people who believe that and follow that. Uh, but it's kind of funny because the Bible's pretty clear that we're not going to know. Go back with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. So 1 Thessalonians 4, he's talking about the rapture and how it's going to come. And he says, comfort one another with these words. And then look at verse number 1 of chapter 5. 
He says this, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. In other words, hey, we don't know when it's going to come. And we don't know what time. I mean, uh, listen, why is the illustration a thief in the night used? A thief in the night is used because nobody is expecting a thief. If you knew what time a thief was going to come, man, you'd lay awake. And you'd, you'd say, man, I'm, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't lay awake. I'd just set my alarm because that's how I work. I'd go to bed, set my alarm. I know the thief's coming at 3 o'clock. I'll set my alarm for 2.45, uh, splash some water in my face. I'll be ready for him. Um, and, and that's what we would do. But the reality is, nobody knows when a thief is going to come. Um, in Peru, we had lots of experience with thieves. And uh, I'm thinking of uh, trying to figure which story to tell. And uh, one of the missionary friends of ours, they, uh, they told us this story. It was kind of crazy. But they, they, uh, they were living in this house, and they had this large group get in, and that that large group, they took him to their house, and he said, man, there, it was a big group. I mean, there was people sleeping in the living room. There was people, every bedroom had people. I mean, it was, there was people everywhere in their house. They were just crashed everywhere. He said they, uh, they got in late. They had stayed up late talking, as is common when people come in, and, man, you're excited to see them. You haven't seen them in a long time. And they stayed up late talking, and uh, I don't know what time they went to bed, but they all went to bed and crashed, and, and, uh, and so the missionary got up in the morning, and, and when he got up, uh, and again, there's people crashed everywhere in his house. When he got up, he's walking, and he's like, hey, man, those guys fooling around. They took my TV and hit it. Oh, they took my stereo and hid it. And, and, and so he started noticing some things missing in his house. He said that he thought the group had played a prank on him and was fooling around. And, and so when everyone got up, they realized it wasn't a prank. While everyone was crashed everywhere in that house, people had broke in, stolen his TV and stereo and a couple of other things, and, uh, and, and stolen them and, uh, and gotten out of the house. And, and the point is, hey... You never know when a thief is going to come. And the idea that he's trying to get across with this passage is, hey, we don't know when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come. We can't set a date. We don't know the time. And the Bible is very clear about that. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Go with me to Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, we find the same thing. Jesus is risen from the dead, and he's standing there with his disciples, and he's about to ascend up into heaven. And as he's standing there, uh, the, the saints that have gathered, those disciples that are there, they ask him. They say this in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6. And they therefore, when they co were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of Israel, excuse me, and and they're asking him, hey, is this the time? I mean, the Israelites, they didn't see the whole 
church age come. They didn't see the idea of grace coming. Uh, they just saw the fact that, hey, the Messiah is here, and these disciples believed it, and so they're still expecting, and they're still knowing, hey, there's an age that's going to be set up where Jesus will restore his kingdom. And so they're asking him, okay, now you've died on the cross, you've risen from the dead, now are you going to set up your kingdom? And look at what he says in verse number 7. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. And I'm just saying that the Lord, if he wanted us to know it, I think he would have made it clear. And if he didn't want us to know it, which I don't think he does, he's made it very clear. I've given this illustration before, so if you've heard it, forgive me, but uh, it's my childhood. And I, I grew up, my, my dad would often, my parents would, not often, but sometimes they'd go out. And, uh, and three boys, you know, they'd leave them at home and they're like, man, let's get away, let's go to dinner, let's have uh, a night out. And so they'd go out. Well, they would leave us a list of chores to do. You know how it is when you leave kids a list of chores. And so here we are, clean the garage, do the dishes, vacuum the house, blah, 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 all that thing. And, and you know what we did. I mean, as soon as my parents left, you know we jumped right on those shores. <laughs> Said no kid ever. No. You know what we did? Man, we, we played video games, and we, uh, we fought like brothers, and we, uh, we did everything. We fooled around until, until um, we thought, well, that's been long enough. Man, I, I'm getting nervous. I think my parents might start to get home. We kind of put it off. Well, I think we can get it done. And you'd see the lights. We lived kind of on a dead-end street. You'd see lights coming down our road. Man, you never saw three kids work so fast in all of your life. I mean, we were scrubbing dishes, and we were vacuuming floors, and we were cleaning, and I mean, we were doing everything. Why? Because uh, my parents didn't tell us what time they would be home. They didn't say, hey, we're going to be home at 8 o'clock. You make sure you have all this done. No, they just left. And they said, you get this done before we get home. If they would have told us what time at 8 o'clock, they would have known for sure 7.45 we would have started. Because we're not going to start before they're home. Listen, that's why God doesn't give it. He doesn't want us to know. Man, you'd live your life uh, however you wanted. And I tell you what, uh, if the Lord, if, this is an illustration, okay, I'm not making a prediction. If the Lord were coming home uh, on, uh, let's just pick a random date, uh, July 25th. Man, you'd, you would live any way you wanted until July 24th. And then you say, oh, I'm going to get my Bible out and I'm going to start reading. Man, I'm going to start praying right now. I tell you what, I'm going to start. And, I'm, and that's the way we are. Don't you think God knows that? And he says, I'm not, no man knows. Nobody is able to know when it is going to take place. Possibly it was times that they were, uh, that people were setting predictions. And so the Apostle Paul was saying, hey, don't believe them and don't fall prey uh, to the false teachings of times. Maybe, uh, perhaps some of them were saying, hey, the Lord's already come and we are now living in the tribulation. I've heard that said today. People say that. And, uh, and I'm just saying, uh, this is not the tribulation. Uh, you look and you read the book of, of Revelation, you'll find out the tribulation is far worse uh, than what we are in right now. 
And I don't know what they were teaching. I don't know what the false prophets were promoting. But I'm just telling you uh, that the Apostle Paul was warning them uh, that there were false teaching. And he's saying, let no man deceive you by any means. Uh, and so we need to be careful of false teachers and false prophets. Because they exist and they're out there. Look with me in verse number 3, back in our text. He says, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition let me just touch on the man of perdition really quick that phrase is used the son of perdition was used at least only two times in the bible once in john 17 12 uh, jesus refers to judas iscariot as the son of perdition and then it's used here in our text. And basically it means uh, the, the uh, perdition, the word perdition means lost or destroyed. And basically it means the Antichrist. Uh, and you say, well, well, what about that? Well, 1 John 2.18, you can mark it down, says this, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come even now, are there many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time? And it defines in 1 John several times that an antichrist is somebody who denies uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and says, oh, he's not the Lord, he's not God. Well, there's plenty of people like that running around today. And so uh, we don't really know uh, who that son of perdition is, and, uh, but it does mention quite a bit about him. Look with me in verse number 4. It goes on and describes him. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. In other words, he's going to sit in the temple and show that, it, that he is, he's going to prove that he is God, but he's not. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know that what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Let me just stop right here and say this. If you don't get anything more out of this passage, get this. that Verse number 8 is victory proclaimed to God. We can get all caught up in the wickedness and the wicked one and that person that is an antichrist, but the verse number 8 is a blessing and it's a refreshment to us. And he says, uh, And when that wicked shall be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And so though he is wicked, God's going to win. Verse number 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness and un of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So he's talking about that man 
uh, that will be revealed. And so he is a wicked man and he will be revealed. Uh, and so he's just talking about that. Now, we don't know how is he going to be revealed. We don't know. Uh, does that mean he's going to be born and on this earth? Uh, we don't really know. And I think, honestly, the scripture and God is vague again because he doesn't want us to know all of that stuff. Uh, because he wants us to live right and do right. Uh, until the very end. And so he just is saying, hey, that that man will be revealed at some point. Look with me at verse number, again, back number three. And it says, except there come a falling away first. Now, what is that falling away? We've said all of this to say, what is that falling away? And, uh, and, and I, I'll tell you this, that man constantly is falling away from God. You go all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Satan tempted Adam and Eve and they fell in sin in the garden. Ever since that point, it is an uphill battle for man to maintain a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in James chapter number 4, he says, Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh to you. In other words, it's work. It takes effort for us to draw nigh to God because our flesh rejects God. And the naturalness of, our, of man and the sinfulness of man doesn't want to draw nigh to God. Uh, go back. You can go back through the whole Bible. We'll not do it for sake of time. But how many times did the nation of Israel forsake God? Time and time and time again. You say, man, didn't those people learn? Well, we could turn the question right around on ourselves and say, well, don't, don't we learn? We're people. The, the, the nation of Israel forsook God many times. What about the disciples? You remember in the Garden of Eden, or, not a Garden of Eden, but the Garden of Gethsemane, when, uh, when the guards came, the, you go back and reread it, the Bible says, and they all forsook Jesus and fled. They left. They forsook Him. And, uh, and so I'm just pointing out that, hey, there has been, uh, and this is not, uh, the whole idea of falling away is a regular occurrence. It seems to be in this text that it's referring to a great apostasy. And you say, well, is that today? And I say, I don't know. We tend to look at stuff that are relevant to our time and to our culture. Uh, I've, I've been overseas, I've lived in some places, and, and we'll, we'll make statements that are only true to our culture and to our time. Uh, here's a good example. I was looking this up because I was curious. You know, we'll all say, uh, we'll say, man, gas prices are high, aren't they? Man, I, I'm, they are. They're astronomical. It's crazy. It, it drives me crazy. But did you know that there are 13 countries right now that pay less than $2 a gallon? 13 countries. Now, I'm not saying you want to go move there, okay? I'm not saying they're great, but I'm just telling you, we say, man, gas prices are crazy. They're through the roof. They're not complaining about gas prices because they're paying less than $2 a gallon. $2 U.S. a gallon. Now, they don't use dollars and their other... You understand what I'm saying to us? It's impacting our society. It's impacting our lives. It is a problem to us, but it's not to the rest, all of the world. It is to much of the world, but not to all of the world. And so we need to understand when we say, uh, listen, there, there could be, uh, you could go through something in a church and, and people leave and say, 
man, this is the great apostasy. They're falling away. Everyone's leaving. Well, that might be true for one church, but another church uh, in another place, they may be growing by leaps and bounds. And so it's really difficult for us to determine with the small scope and small view with which we see things to determine, hey, is this the great apostasy? I don't really think it is. I think it'll be far worse than this, and I think it will probably come uh, maybe as a result of persecution. I don't know for sure, uh, but I'm just saying it's my opinion that, that this is probably, we're not living in a, a time of great apostasy. Uh, are things bad? Yeah, I'm not saying they're not. But I'm saying, hey, God's still alive. God's still working. We're on a Wednesday night. We've got a decent crowd. And I'm just saying, uh, and, and we're not, uh, our church, Anchor Baptist Church, is not the gauge of if this is the great apostasy or if it's not. Uh, I think that's a far greater scale that you have to consider before you can look at stuff. And that's true for every church. And so uh, I don't know if this is the great apostasy or great falling away, but I do know it's an uphill battle. And at the same time, does that mean that Christ can't come? No, I don't believe that either. The, the, uh, the, that, listen, the rapture could take place. What is this passage dealing with? I, I, it's really, there's a mix there uh, of the, the rapture is dealt with certainly in verse number one. Uh, but when he gets down there, uh, it's almost like he's dealing with the other side of the coin. Just like the day of Christ and the believers say, man, that's a positive day. And the day of the Lord for the unbeliever, hey, that's a bad day. Do you know the coming of the Lord, uh, the rapture, I'll say it that way, for us is a great day. But for our neighbor that's lost, or our friend that's lost, that's not a good day. Why? Because after that, the tribulation, and things are going to go downhill, and people aren't going to believe. They're, they're going to be persuaded by a lie. And there's going to be all kinds of things that's going to make it difficult uh, for them to really accept the truth. And so what I'm saying is that's not really a good day for them. And, uh, and so I don't really... Uh, no, if, if the falling away, what is it? I don't really know. And I know that there's a lot of great minds, far greater than mine, that have looked at this text and one guy has this opinion, another guy has this opinion, and, and I think, honestly, God obscured it some because He doesn't want us to know. And He doesn't want us to know when the coming of the Lord is. He's going to come. I can assure you that because the Bible says uh, that the Lord is... Uh, not slack concerning his promises, but, uh, but, but is willing that all should come to repentance. And he goes on and talks about how the Lord will come. And he's going to come. Now, I don't know when, but I know, listen, he could, come. he could come. He could come tonight. You say, well, what about that falling away? Hey, I could be wrong. How about that? And, and the Lord could come tonight. And you say, yep, there was a great falling away. You missed it. You didn't realize it. That's very possible. Did you know all the Jews, the majority of the Jews, missed Jesus Christ coming and didn't realize there was the whole period of salvation and grace? They didn't understand, the scholars, the great minds, didn't catch that. And so I'm just saying, uh, I think Jesus does obscure some of that stuff uh, for his own purposes. And, uh, and we, again, don't know when he's coming. I don't think he wants us to know. 
And, uh, and so I don't know uh, a lot about all of that. I hope that helps. If nothing else, I hope it spurred you to think and understand, hey, the Lord is coming back. I do know that. I can assure you of that. That's clear throughout Scripture. I don't know when. I don't know all the signs. I don't know all the things because I think he doesn't want us to know. And he's told us various times, hey, this times and seasons are not for you to know. But he is coming back. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to be living right and doing right. So I hope that helps at least a little bit. Um, maybe it foggied it up more. I hope not. Uh, I hope it clarified at least a little bit for you. But I hope that's a help and a blessing to you. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your many blessings. God, I thank you for your word. And, and God, it's deep, yes, sometimes. And God, yes, there are obscure parts that are, are difficult to understand, no doubt. But I thank you for the clarity of the fact that we, in the end, God, you do win and we be as Christians are victorious on your side. God, we thank you for the great victory that you graciously grant to us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for promising to change our corruptible body to an incorruptible body. Thank you for promising to come again. And God, we certainly as Christians look forward to that day. And I pray that you would bless each and every person that's here and saved tonight. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to